Thank you for joining IAB There. Hi, I'm Cheryl Goldstein, EVP Member Engagement and Development here at the IAB. Welcome to IAB There, our daily live stream in which we connect the whole digital advertising ecosystem. Today's show, we're going to talk about movement marketing and how to shift from panic to purpose. And we have a special guest, Scott Goodson, who's the founder and CEO of Strawberry Frog, who's really a pioneer in this whole area called movement marketing. Why don't we bring Scott to the screen and find out more about this? Hi, Scott. Good How morning, Cheryl. Welcome I'm, to IAB There. I'm sorry? Welcome to IAB There. Thank Good you so you. much for having me. It's, uh, it's a pleasure. I look, look forward to our chat today. Yeah, so movement marketing. Uh, tell us about, first, tell us a little bit about your background, how you started Strawberry Frog about 20, almost 22 years ago around this idea of movement marketing. Where did it all begin? Let's start with that. So I'm originally from Canada. I went to university in Canada and just very briefly, when I was in Canada, there was a presidential race for the um, president of the school and there was you know five sons of Canadian industry and there was a um, friend of mine who was a, a, a woman from Barbados and she really wanted to be um, president and uh, they didn't even write about her in the school newspaper. So I decided to become her campaign manager and I created a movement around her um, being the first, not only um, you know, black candidate, but also a female in the history of the school. And the movement completely you know, blew out everyone else and she ended up getting 65% of the vote. And I realized there was such power in this idea of you know, building a, a, taking the principles of societal movements and using them as a marketing context. So fast forward, I moved to Sweden. In Sweden, I launched, uh, I was part of launching Bjorn Borg's fashion line. Um, he was the first athlete to actually have a fashion line. Um, this is back in, you know, back in the- I know, I remember his headbands yeah. and his short shorts. I remember that very well. <laughs> <laughs> I actually got a headband from him, although I admit it was a clean one, not used. Um, although the used one would probably be more valuable. Yeah, you know, he wore this when he beat Jimmy yeah. Connor doing something, right? Yeah, yeah, he, he's a cool guy. Um, and uh, we used to uh, have fun together. He, he used to come out. We had a summer little place out there and dance around the Maypole, which is Swedish summer of festivities. Great guy. Anyway, um, from Bjornborg, I was very fortunate to work on the launch of Ericsson's mobile phone, uh, first in, in Nordics, in, in Scandinavia, and Germany, then Spain, the rest of Europe, Eastern Europe, Thailand, Australia, Brazil, and then all the way up to the US and Canada. And you know, back in those days, in the early 90s, the Northern European consumer was demanding more of, custom, of, their, of their brands. They didn't want to have, you know, what they used to call like the Wrigley Spearman approach to marketing, which was kind of a uh, superficial um, marketing advertising. Uh, they wanted, consumers um, demanded more of their brands. They wanted uh, less uh, packaging, less pollution, uh, more women and management. Uh, and this was in the 90s, you're saying? Yeah, 1990, early 90s, late 80s. I feel 90s. like that's like today, right? Yeah. So we're like, a, like that's actually was kind of pretty progressive relative to, I, I feel like we're in that place today in America. Yeah. You know, that in the 90s, I don't 
think we were as aware or conscious around diversity, um, you know, making sure we're doing good for the planet. So it yeah. feels like that was pretty progressive, you know, relative to where the U.S. was anyway at that time. Yeah, and I think the there was a just a strong, uh, I guess, community feeling that, you know, um, organizations, not the government, can actually drive positive change in society. So consumer demand for, um, like I said, less packaging around products so that there wouldn't be as much landfill, um, less toxic, less toxins in our food, um, mm -hmm. you know, what now we would consider to be smart uh, living, more humane mm -hmm. living was definitely something that, that was um, a strong uh, driver for company change back in, the, in those days. So out of that came purpose uh, strategies and purpose marketing. And I was fortunate to work with a couple of big Swedish multinationals that in the early 90s expanded globally. Um, Ericsson at the time was the world leader in cell phones and mobile phones, as well as networks. And we, they were a client that we had at my agency. Um, we uh, started working with the idea of a purpose in the Northern part of Europe, but as it sort of took us beyond, you know, to Poland, for example, where they had no phones, you know, and they didn't need to hear about, you know, purpose. They just really wanted to see a phone or um, in other parts of the world that were quickly becoming middle-class purpose as a theoretical idea didn't really work very well. You know, the, ma the marketing leadership of Ericsson in Greece or in um, Indonesia or even Australia were like, what, what are you talking about? Like that's, no, no it doesn't make any sense. You just need a really creative ad. Um, so we, I think we realized back then, even then that purpose had some, some huge benefits, but some huge drawbacks. And the drawbacks are, it can, it can be very theoretical uh, and it can fall flat. And, you know, it can inspire the purpose and, you know, the purpose, chief purpose officer of a company, but maybe not um, others in the organization and probably even harder to inspire consumers. So that's where we started thinking about using movement as a, you know, social movements as a way to amplify and activate a purpose strategy. And so we did that with brands like Ikea, which you're familiar with another big Swedish company that expanded, excuse me, um, back in the, in, the, in the 90s and the 2000s, which we worked on the, the international launch um, and other Scandinavian companies. And then um, I started Strawberry Frog in 1999 with um, Karin Drakenberg, who's a Swede. And we built um, the company as a fast, agile, uh, innovative, you know, digitally, digital first uh, marketing company, creative marketing company that activated purpose strategies. And we moved- yeah, and That was pretty progressive too, going back 22 years ago. You know, to be thinking digital first uh, was ahead of your time, I would say, tw from 20 years ago. I mean, yes and no. Yes, in the sense that um, it was definitely a new platform. No, in the sense that Scandinavia was so advanced digitally, like we were using email in the 80s, you know. Um, wow. We were using internet. S Sweden was so far ahead using, you know, those types of technologies. Yeah, that we had AOL in the 80s. 
sixties <laughs> that was about, and that that was progressive. If you were on AOL in the eighties, you were already kind of hip and cool. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and there was uh, you know, a few other players, but it was really AOL was the gateway to the internet in the eighties. When you yeah, say purpose, how what does that mean? When you have a when a company is purpose driven, is it just you know we're going to try and save the world from you know hunger or cancer cure? And how do you determine um, a purpose strategy for a toothpaste company or a furniture company? How do you create a movement around that? Well, I think you know the brand is the organization is committed to changing the world for the better. And, you know, we've been- So it starts there. You have to start yeah. with that fundamental premise. Yeah, yeah. It's a higher purpose beyond a profit. Uh, it's, it's how do we benefit um, human beings? Um, how do we benefit um, society? How do we benefit the community in which our company operates, in which our employees live? How do we benefit um, our employees, their families, their children, um, and so forth. Like those stakeholders have a major impact on the success of the company. I would even go one step further and argue that it's in the interest of companies to actually help consumers live longer, healthier lives. Because, uh, you know, as Byron Sharp tells us, this great marketing theorist out of Australia, you know, who wrote the book, How Brands Grow, if you have consumers, it's a lot easier keep them than to attract new ones. So if right. you're gonna to have toxins in your foods, if you're gonna make it hard for people to make ends meet, their lives are gonna be restricted and they're not gonna buy as much. So yeah. they should thrive. So lifetime value of your customer is a direct equation to helping them have a long life. Correct. Yeah. Makes sense, logical business sense. So, so how do you, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. I know you so have like fundamental. That framework is super simple, right? It's like yeah. people live better lives. You as a company can benefit financially um, as well as morally. And what I mean by morally is there are a lot of CEOs running companies whose kids hate them, right? Their families, their friends either don't trust them. They don't like them. It's, it's a really toxic environment. So how do you demonstrate that the product that you're doing actually has value in the world other than just money? And I think, so purpose, it's clear that's what purpose can help you do. Now, the problem right. with purpose is there are a lot of organizations out there that don't understand what it is and they use it in all sorts of ways. In many respects, purpose becomes toothless. It's like a toothless purpose or you know, it's, it becomes like purpose washing. It just doesn't mean anything. And you know, in many instances, you see brands piggybacking on purpose that has absolutely nothing to do with what they are doing as a company. And to me, those examples are just, um, they're watering down the impact and the importance of what purpose can, role it can play. And it's not a marketing strategy. It's a core business strategy for how the organization operates. So uh, this is where you talk about, I know you have a book out called Uprising that's been out for a while and you have a new book coming out, but you talk about inside and outside. So it's not just, hey, let's put out there, it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month that we support it, yay, you know, we're a company that's trying to help out in the world versus we are committed to helping women get the treatment, early awareness, 
we're committed to that. And here's what we do for our own employees. And here's how we focus on it internally. And then here's what we do externally. So that's, I think what you're saying is that living what you say you are, having that authenticity, both inside and outside and how you um, function as a brand. Yeah, there has to be some connected tissue from your marketing, your actions back to your purpose statement or your brand benefit in some way. You know, mm -hmm. there's the, the good, and I'll, I'll give you some examples of what I think are good examples. There are examples that are not good examples. You know, Planters Peanuts last year came out with a purpose that, and I don't have it verbatim, but it was something like, you know, driving energy, um, which makes sense because nuts, you know, give you protein and energy. But then they came out with a campaign uh, taking a stand for equal pay for men and women, you know? And I'm like, mm. what does that have to do with a nut snack? Like, it has mm -hmm. absolutely nothing. It would be as if, you know, Snickers came out and said, out of the blue, women should get paid the same as men. Why should, why should Snickers say that? You know, mm. it doesn't make any sense other than the fact that you're using a topic that happens to be popular in culture right now and abusing it because you're really not doing anything, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, Audi was, was lambasted a couple of years ago. They did a big Super Bowl ad about uh, equality and pay. And then it turned out that all the leadership in the organization were men, you know, or, yeah. So there are lots of examples. I think Nike also recently had a similar situation where they made a stand for um, Black Lives Matter uh, and or or for um, a movement for uh, Black Lives in something in that context. I remember reading about it in mm -hmm. um, the New York Times or Wall Street Journal, and yet they had less than five percent of their VPs were actually African American. So mm -hmm. you know your actions, your your, your corporate strategy has to be in line with your marketing. It's no yeah. longer. And we did something, I know you're going to get to this question later. We're kind of moving around a bit, but <laughs> when it comes to measurement, we can talk later. Yes. We have a good example. You read my mind. I yeah. totally was going to go down that path. Let's go down that path. Go ahead. So measurement. How do we prove this out? How does it, how do we know it makes good business sense? Right. So, you know, we did a, uh, we did a, um, well, there's two ways to measure it um, that we've been working on because, you know, up to this point, purpose is a, is a, is a inspiring uh, to many people marketing uh, approach. To others, it's kind of hocus pocus and doesn't, you know, it feels good, but doesn't really do anything. There's no way of demonstrating that it actually has any business value. Um, and so we needed to change that in order to demonstrate there was actual ROI. So we developed uh, two tools. One is a way to measure purpose externally within consumers to demonstrate ROI. And that's called the Purpose Power Index, which we developed and executed together with RepTrack Company, which is a formidable uh, algorithm-based research um, organization we fielded 17 and a half thousand responses and we got the first empirical measure of purpose brands in the United States. And it's really quite fascinating um, what we were able to uh, pull out. And PP, you know, PPI 
if you go to purposepowerindex.com, you can see all the data there, um, is a good measure of having, uh, how activating a purpose externally um, is, you know, there's an implied ROI in that we know consumers who rate companies highly on the purpose, uh, on purpose in the power, in the purpose power index. You have to say that three times. <laughs> so you can get that. Um, so we know that there is implied ROI um, when consumers rate companies highly uh, on their purpose in their in, in the purpose power index, which is what we measured, um, and that they would purchase more from those companies as a result of that. Uh, the other um, the other measurement tool we develop are developed is something called the purpose gap, and it's a way for company leaders to measure how um, a purpose once it's been launched by the C-suite and then it's kind of permeates to the middle management and down to the, you know, the bottom rungs of the organization. Oh, so how well it's permeated the culture then? So you, is this something right. that's living with the C-suite or have they done a good enough job educating, engaging so Correct. that throughout the organization people feel and are part of this purpose strategy? That's the well, inside, and, and outside. Over and over time okay. so that you don't, so you measure decay and you can see, you know, does this, because a lot of, you know, most C-suite launch a purpose to great fanfare and they applaud and they pat each other on the back. And then six months later, no one knows what it is. Right, so, right. you know, maybe it's framed behind the CMO's desk or it's in a PowerPoint folder somewhere, but no one has really any understanding of what it means. So the purpose gap measures the gap between the day it's launched by the C-suite and 18 months later, when it's, you know, it should be actively um, engaging the all levels of the employee base in the organization. And you can use that diagnostics to, to enhance your program to ensure that the purpose is actually still working. So we use those tools to create offers around both of them in order to help companies develop purpose externally that's activated through a movement and then internally activated to the employees through movement. I think that's great because I'm, I'm concerned that that's going to happen now. Like we see this massive interest in becoming more diverse and inclusive and we've got to do more. And right now I feel like there's a sizable gap between say and do people want us. They're saying they want to do a lot and I don't know how much they're actually doing. And I do worry that, you know, if this starts fading from the news and the limelight and it's not this big social uprising thing anymore, our company's still gonna have that same commitment over time. Cause I think that's the key there. It's, it's a, can you sustain this movement? Can you really stick with it so that you're driving meaningful change? Yeah. Versus, oh, we gotta do something, this kind of mad rush and see, we're doing stuff. And then a year later, and yeah, back into old habits. And yeah, so it, I, I it's, go ahead. No, I think, I think the, the pitfalls of, of um, activating purpose with a movement, uh, for example, is, um, and I haven't defined what a movement is and I will in a moment, but yeah. the pitfalls of that are um, that you bite off too much. You know, you try to change everything and, you know, no one expects an organization or a brand to change the world, right? That's, you know, you can, you can take steps to helping people solve issues that are directly related to what you do. So um, a, great, a great leader, in my opinion, 
great leader, uh, an example of that is Bill Rogers, uh, the former CEO of SunTrust, now the COO of Truist, which is a merger of BB&T and SunTrust. When he was at, at, at SunTrust, developed a purpose at SunTrust, which was called Lighting the Way to Financial Wellbeing, which makes complete sense for a financial institution. Yep. And I think that came out of his own personal experience with his meetings with very large, with CEOs of large companies, where they said to him, you know, our greatest concern is the financial well-being of our employees. Like we're, we're concerned, you know, like, like all Americans, 80% of our employees can't put $2,000 together in an emergency over, you know, four weeks. That's a huge burden. And I really kick me, keeps me up at night. And I think he, he took that to heart. He came back and I think he developed the purpose in order to move the organization away from portfolio, or I would describe it as like an ingredients company. We focus mm -hmm. on the product, uh, on the products and features and facilities to being dedicated to the, to the customer, right? Focus on the customer. In this case, their role is we're gonna light the way to well-being, financial well-being of the end user, the consumer. That's a huge leap, you know, from a C-suite leader going from product to the end user, the benefit mm -hmm. of them. And then for us, we created a movement called On Up, which was uh, a movement, On Up was short for onwards and upwards. Mm -hmm. And it was a movement against financial stress and for financial confidence. And inherent in the movement is financial literacy and highly engaging um, content that helps you move from that stress to that, um, to that confidence. And um, if you go to onup.com, there are over 6 million participants in the movement. Wow. Bank, you know, wow. it's not, it's not uh, you know. Um, That's fantastic. Yeah, but it's, but, yeah, it's, but, it, but it, that makes sense. And you're appealing to people in a very deep emotional way, you know, because you're tapping into what many people feel. I'm one of them. Like I don't have a strong um, grip on my own investments. You know, I'm not an investment person. I don't know, right. you know, follow the stock market and it can be scary. And you're like, you know, should I be doing more? I should know more. And you, and you feel almost um, like beat yourself up for not knowing more. And I mean, I've seen it not so like, thankfully not with me, but I've had friends who really haven't paid attention and have lost a ton of money or overspent on a house or overspent, suddenly lose their job and they were not ready for that. And just zero financial planning. Mm. So I think this, you're tapping into a very real, uh, pretty prevalent feeling that people have about money and about finances. I think that makes a lot of sense and a great thing for them to take on because they're a bank. It's a logical place for them to play. You know, it's helping to shed light on that for people and being, you know, we're here for you. We understand we're gonna help educate you versus, buy our open an account with us today and you know get this special offer yeah it, it's i think it makes a lot of sense and it and, and the thing about a movement like i think we're living in an age purpose and a move purpose and movement are uh i mean we're living in the age of movements like think about it forget about you know think, forget about advertising and marketing in the traditional sense if you were living on another planet and you landed on the earth today you would say oh my gosh Everything is a movement. It's just yeah. everything is people are taking stands left, right, and center. So if you're trying to engage people and move them, mobilize them to buy a product, to do something, 
and using the principles of a movement make a lot of sense because they're it's already in culture it's what we're used to we see it on tv every single day um, yeah. people don't sit and watch ads anymore you know they're on their phones and they're on social media in fact the digital tools that exist are for participatory interaction right. so how do you fill that content so that you know you're driving people to the top of the funnel constantly pulling them into the funnel with lots of engagement on topics and issues that are relevant to their lives that also give you an opportunity to put your products and services in positive light i mean that's kind of in a very fast way kind of describing the context of, of, of how we think about movement and i'll get to the tenets of Yes, I, I, you're, you're a step ahead of me in my own interview, I was going to say, but what I know you have like five steps, tenets of the movement marketing approach. Um, I know you're going to get there, but I want to make sure we get there. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, well, maybe we should go there because uh, I'll, I'll just go ahead. It. Yeah. So basically, um, you know, I was very, we were very fortunate a few years ago. So I started Strawberry Frog with a bunch of really talented people. Um, and, and I've been very fortunate my whole life working with excellent, really wonderful, kind, thoughtful, empathetic people. And I mean, not just inside Strawberry Frog, but also our clients. I think purpose minds just tend to be more empathetic uh, because you think about others. So it's really um, such a, a wonderful, um, it's been a wonderful experience for me to work with uh, clients and, and, and teammates who think in this way to drive positive change, to do good uh, in that context. And a few years ago, we were hired to bring movement thinking to Procter & Gamble. And we, we were given the Pampers brand on a global basis to lead all their digital uh, work. And we created a movement strategy. First, a purpose uh, which was baby development. So going from a poop catcher to baby development, which is a fantastic- <laughs> A poop catcher, I love that. Yeah, yeah, poop catcher. I mean, if you had kids, you can completely relate. Uh, understood, understood. Uh, uh, I mean, it's basically an engineering firm that makes great poop catchers, but they moved <laughs> to this idea of baby development and we created a whole movement about that, um, that, that was fantastic. And it led to a number of really brilliant initiatives like Capture at Conception, which a strategy which P&G had never Embrace because they don't advertise to non-customers. We said the minute someone, family, uh, or a, a parents become pregnant, they become truth seekers. They're constantly searching for information. We need to be out there. We need to be providing content and engaging them in a movement that they can participate in. So we created something called Hello Baby. It was the first uh, branded app uh, pregnancy calendar that you could chart your days from the beginning right till the day the baby's born and share it with your friends and. It was a whole aspect of the joy of parenting and baby development and so forth. Um, but what was interesting was because PNG has such extremely uh, thoughtful um, and disciplined marketers, we had to codify our, our movement marketing approach. So that's really where the, the tenets of marketing came from. We had them as loosely codified thoughts, but working with Procter & Gamble, they became really uh, an amazing discipline and, and those tenants are, number one, this develop strategy. What are you for? What are you against, right? Very simple. As a movement, you think about that. You have to stand for something or you have to stand against something. And you have to, part of that is defining the change you need to make in the world. Understand the people, not just, you know, what's important to them in the category, but what's more, more importantly, what's important in their life? What are the real human insights there? And also you need to understand the cultural context. Like, 
What's going on in society? What's going on in the world outside? And number two is declare. You need to declare your movement. Begin small, but then grow big. And it's important to be purpose-inspired when you do that. And you know, you begin your movement with your own people inside the organization or the people that are already passionate about what you're standing for. And then you should try to thoughtfully provoke discussion. This is all part of the declare uh, tenet. And the third is unite. So ignite your passionate advocates. You know, you want to bring them together and unite them. And typically it's great to build a community space like a web experience. So onup.com is, is, is that in, okay. in, in the SunTrust example. Um, and you also create must share content and storytelling and your own language. You know, mm -hmm. so we have Momentum on Up, which was a program developed by Brian Ford who's a brilliant um, uh, financial literacy leader who developed a whole mm -hmm. program to help corporations um, help their employees become financially literate. So Momentum on Up is now being used by Delta and Home Depot and a lot of, I think 200 mm. plus cor corporations, all using the same language that we develop. Um, and then the fourth tenet is scale. You okay. know, spark mass participation. Have a simple call to action, but ignite key flashpoints where your idea is disproportionately more receptive in, in, in minds and that can spread to others. And then you wanna amplify that to a wider audience. And that, at that point, you can use TV, you know? Mm. Um, you don't have to do it the early days, but at some point down the line, you can use television, which is still a mass messaging uh, to uh, deliver your message. Mm -hmm. and finally, sustain, you know, how do you, how do you defeat decay? Um, and, and that's where social and cultural media become the oxygen and, you know, nurture in real time. You just need to make sure you keep the sparks going. And, and that's, you know, an opportunity for you to then take a moment, see where you are, adjust the movement and continue and constantly challenge and inspire participation as it keeps going. So key tenets are strategy, uh, declare, scale and sustain the movement. And all of this is in a new book that you have coming out soon, correct? That's an uprising, which was launched a few oh, years okay. ago. But so the that's book, the book that's out now and you have another one that's that's hitting the market soon. Yeah, uprising okay. is available on, on Amazon right now um, and other um, reader-friendly websites. The, the new book is coming out in March 21 and uh, it's um, about movement thinking. And we've taken the idea of movement marketing beyond um, marketing into a leadership tool. So how can leaders of the largest companies in America use uh, movement thinking to engage, to transform their companies, um, to, uh, to bring new strategies to life? We interview, I interviewed Hans Vesterberg, the new CEO of, of Verizon, Mike mm -hmm. Siebert, the CEO of T-Mobile, um, I had the opportunity to interview leadership at Truist. Um, I had the opportunity to interview Anand Mahindra, who's the leader of um, Mahindra, which is one of the most powerful companies in India, global mm -hmm. concern, um, and, and several other top um, CEOs. So movement thinking as a leadership tool, uh, also a marketing tool, um, a, and a tool for things as, such as uh, collaboration. How can you mm -hmm. improve and enhance collaboration inside organizations? How can you 
Um, how can you as an organization lean into purpose now and activate it inside your organization and outside of the people that matter as we're coming, as we're pulling through COVID into the world that's coming? Um, because we know that companies that do that are going to thrive. Yeah. Companies that don't. And I think now it's a must have. It's not a nice to have. If you look at like generation um, Gen Z, they only want to buy from companies that are you know, doing good in the world and treating their employees well. Uh, consumers are demanding it. Um, your employees are demanding it. I think this is really becoming table stakes. It's not a, yeah, it would be good to add that to our strategy. It's no, we have to figure this out. Like, what is our purpose? Where should we be taking a stand? What do, what do our employees and our customers care about? How can we make a difference in their lives? I think all of that is where we are in time right now. And you've been doing it for 20 something years. Um, <clears throat> so I think it's great that you have a new book coming out and you've got a lot of great learning to share. A uh, couple, we have like one minute left. What are some quick do's and don'ts for brands? You know, maybe something they should stop doing, something they should start doing. And a quick little last uh, thoughts that you might have before we have to part ways. I mean, I think it's really important right now to think about the impact of COVID. We're living through this massive disruption, the greatest ever in our lifetime, and really understanding, you know, what are the challenges? What are the um, what are the fears that, that are, are being created? What is the PTSD that we're going to have coming out of this? And develop a strategy, which I think, you know, is, is about a purpose that is activated. And if you activate a purpose, it's much like you're the captain of a ship in a absolutely horrendous storm with huge waves and the wind is blowing from all sides and you have absolutely no rudder. And mm. you're flipping and flopping and you're going, you're tacking to the left, you're tacking to the right and you're really, you're hope, it's, it's hopeless. I think what, what Purpose Activated does is it acts like a, a strong rudder that gives you the ability to be a little bolder, a little more fearless and, in, and give energy to people because everyone is gonna be seeking energy. Everyone's gonna come yeah. out of this. So to me, yeah, you know, I mean, we're all exhausted right now, right? We so haven't even started, that, you know, yeah, we have so eight months that, crap. Anything that can energize us, give us hope, yeah. help us, you know, see things in a positive light is you know, going to be welcome because I think we're all, we've had it. Hmm. Um, anyway, Scott, thank you so much. I, we are out of time. I love what you're doing. I think it's really important work. Uh, strawberry frog, for those of you who don't know, is actually a real animal, right? It's a little frog in Africa. Is that right? Uh, well, it, it's in actually in the Amazon. The Amazon. Uh, it is a little frog, about that yeah. big. Okay. Um, but it's agile yeah. quickly and lives its life with purpose, I'm going to guess. It certainly <laughs> does. You don't want to lick it. <laughs> because it, it's deadly. It's very effective. Oh. Yeah. Wow. It's one of All those right. po poison dart frogs. Fabulous. Yeah. Scott, thank you so much. I look forward to reading your book when it comes out. Please let me know when it's out. And thank you for joining us today. Keep up the good work. Thank you okay? so much. Pleasure. Uh, IAB There is a production of the Interactive Advertising Bureau. Our show today was produced by Connor Healy, Joe Ants, John Ward, and Twafika Mohanindan. I'm Cheryl Goldstein. Thanks for joining us today. And thanks to my special guest, Scott Goodson.
have a great day.